Welcome. Welcome to Southwoods Christian Church. We're so glad you're here joining us this morning. Um, it's a wonderful time of year. And uh, before we dive into worship and invite his, his presence, God with us, to be with us, I just want to have a point out a few announcements for you all. Uh, number one is tonight, parents, take a night for yourself. Um, use this as an opportunity. We have a Christmas movie night for kids aged 3 to 18. Big, big gap. We're just going to leave them in a room unsupervised. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, Cody, no, Cody and Kristen and, and, and uh, some, some staff members all will be there. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, movies, pizza, games, activities for them. And just drop them off, right? That way you guys have a, a silent night maybe. And, uh, or just a date night. Um, I don't pull the jokes. But seriously, take, utilize this. We have a lot of kids coming. It should be a lot of fun. So take that night for yourself, parents, just drop off the kids and it'll be a wonderful experience for them, hopefully for you as well. And then our next announcement is Christmas Eve services. It's the next service we're gonna have here and it's coming up real quick. So, um, you know, as I think you see the times there, but my biggest announcement actually just came to mind is we have a few days, I don't, I'm not counting, I should be, but leading up into this and I see those every single day as an opportunity to invite someone to hear this wonderful, wonderful, wonderful news that we all know it's all about. So you see those times there, 3.35, 3.30 and 5 o'clock. Um, so come fill up the room and uh, we'll welcome in um, the wonderful news that is Christ is with us. So let's stand and sing that today. Um, oh come, oh come Emmanuel, God is with us. Invite him into your life and into, into this room this morning.
come, O come, Emmanuel, which invite his presence with us, and he is with us. God is with us. Let's continue to worship him this morning.
So I just pray that in the service and throughout you know, this time of year, we would allow it to realign ourselves and, and know that despite all the loss and death, that one, you came and you overcome, so we have hope in that, but two, you're the only thing we can cling to. And so I just pray that at this time and forevermore, God, that you would help us to fix our eyes on you and the things of this world will just draw strangely, strangely dim in the light of your glory and grace. Because this season is all about you. So help us to fix our eyes on you. We praise in your son's name. Amen. Well, uh, I just want to take this time to go into the different ways you can give. Doesn't have to be just like ah. Oh, I feel like this time of year is it's always the giving, but you know it's it's a constant thing. It's a constant sign of really us aligning ourselves with God and who we are and who He is, and um, you know giving what He has steward of being stewards of what He's given to us. So there's a three ways you can do that here at Southwoods, and God will bless that as you know. And let's take this time to turn and say hi to someone this morning. No. 
is the King of Kings came for us today. Well, we're gonna we're gonna do a special for you now, and you can you can continue to stand or you may have a seat. But I really just want you to listen to the words of this next song. Um, we're gonna sing this song, and then we're gonna go into a time of communion after this. Um, and again, allow these words and these lyrics to just uh, reflect and be reminded of the fact that uh, you know this time of year, like God became man, but. I really, when I hear this song, I'm like, man, he was, he is, he is the, the creator, like just, you know, the king of all kings, the, the highest of high, like greatest, and he became the least for us. That's such an amazing, amazing thing, and I want you to be reminded of that as we sing this out, and uh, and then after we finish, um, we'll go into a time of communion. So uh, listen to this song. the 
feel like that's all I can say. What do I have to give outside of my heart, my life, all my praise, God, all of our praise. Thank you for your love, for the example of your love that was your son that you just gave. And then he gave his life so willingly so that we might have life. Lord, you are so great and that you humbled yourself out of love, out of love for us. So thank you, God, for who you are and for what you've done. Please allow us to draw near to you, experience your presence, and be overwhelmed with joy and hope in this time of communion um, as we remember that you came here and what you came to do. And it was all, it was all for us, all for me, all for you. Thank you, Lord. Just draw near to you this time. Amen.
When I chose the title for today's message, It's a Time for Love, uh, I almost didn't go with this title. I almost picked another title, and some of you probably could guess why. If you think about it, It's a Time for Love sort of sounds like, hmm, what kind of Christmas movie might that be a title for? Hallmark, that was pretty weak, but I, I got a feeling a lot of guys are just nervous to say it. I understand. You're afraid. You're afraid. It's a safe place here. It sort of reminded me of a Hallmark Christmas movie when uh, the title came to me as I was working on all of this stuff. I just kept thinking how that title could be turned into a Hallmark movie. And my mind, so, you know, when you're writing and planning, just your mind kind of goes places. And sometimes you just rail it back in. And this time I didn't. Uh, I kept thinking about Hallmark Christmas movies. And You've seen the Hallmark Christmas movie plot templates online? Have you? Have you, have you seen them? Work with me here. Yeah. Most of us have seen, or a lot of us have seen them. I got one for you here on the screen. Uh, you can see it. It's, uh, if we were going to turn It's a Time for Love into a Hallmark movie, all we got to do is choose a few, few key elements. We got to choose a name here for our principal character, because this is really important. You got to choose the right name. And so it's most likely going to be one of these names. Beth, Carrie, Linda, Lindsay, Sarah, or Susan. Uh, which do you choose? Oh, or I don't know why they left out Tara and Lori. Okay, I don't know why, but they did. So uh, uh, which name would you choose for a movie? Who? Carrie. 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 It's Carrie it is. Carrie it is. All right, I'm marking it as we go here, okay? Uh, the circumstances of Carrie's life are really important. Is she a big city girl? Is she career-oriented? Or is in this case, as I pulled it off the web, orientated? Which, by the way, is not a word. Not a word. Oriented? Career-oriented? Is she recently single with the wrong guy? Is that just that she's just, her life just isn't right because she's with the wrong guy? Or is she world-weary? What, what do we choose? With the wrong guy. With the wrong guy. All right, this is going somewhere. Is that guy a mutt? He's not an elder here. But anyway, uh, let's, talk about, uh, let's talk about some of the other circumstances of her life. You know, just is she a baker? Is she an interior designer? Is she a lawyer writer? Is she just an early 2000s actor that you've forgotten about? Is that really all? Is none of the rest of it matters? She's just an old actress. Which, which do we choose here? Writer, she's a writer. And of course, Carrie, you know, who's with the wrong guy and a writer. And so, of course, she's got all kinds of angst inside of her because of this. And so she's returning home to her small town at Christmas time. And of course, the small town is named Pineville <laughs> or Balsamwoodville or Christmasville or Evergreen, <laughs> Poinsettiaville. You know, just put Ville on the anything Christmas, anything Christmas, and you got the town that she happens to live in, which, of course, they do special, unique things every year. They always have a special Christmas tree lighting ceremony, and there's always cookies being made and gingerbread houses. Uh, anyway, uh, and she's coming to this little town, not just for her health. I mean, she's coming to help someone or to enter a folksy contest or to inherit something or to save the family business or stop some corporate greedy closure, takeover of her family and so forth, something of that sort. So, so why has Carrie, who's with the wrong guy and a writer, come to Christmas Town here? Why has she come here? To help someone. There we go. 
And of course, while she's helping some, what happens? She magically falls in love. Magic. It's just magic. It's just unbelievable. Against all odds, she falls in love. And who is it she falls in love with? With a sensitive guy in plaid? Is that who it is? Is she going to fall in love with a single dad and his precocious child? Or is it going to be with an... Yeah, some guy is saying, yeah. Yeah, that's me. That's me. Oh, Lord, let it be. That's what's going on with somebody. Uh, Is she going to fall in love with an old flame, somebody she hasn't seen for years and should have married but didn't? Didn't. You know, there was some calamity that occurred and they didn't. Is she just... She's just so, so messed up that she's falling in love again with Christmas and the town, and with some guy, some guy, maybe some guy and his dog. Who, who's Carrie who's with the wrong guy? Who? I, I heard somebody with the dog, okay. But here's the thing in a Hallmark Christmas movie. You could fall in, go- in love with some guy with a dog who's in plaid and happens to be holding an axe because he's chopping wood, okay? This is what he's doing. And he needs to be a prince. So there you go. So, okay, now here's our, here's our story. Carrie, sadly, is with the wrong guy. She's a writer, and she knows it. She's written about it. She's communicated. She hasn't found Mr. Wright yet. And this year, she's returned home to her small town at Christmasville, and she's going to help somebody because this, it, that's just who she is. She's a helper. She cares. She wants to make... Life different and better for somebody else. And in the process, she magically falls in love with some guy in plaid and his dog. What is that? It's a time for love. It's a time for love. I have to tell you that a lot of that was going through my head when I thought of the title, It's a Time for Love, and I just thought, I do not want to afflict people. I don't want people's minds to go there. And then, and then, it was funny. It dawned on me that the first Christmas, the first Christmas was and is and always will be a love story. It's a love story. No human could have predicted the principal characters or the plot of that story. It predated Hallmark by hundreds of years. In fact, what we would find is all of the great romance novels and all of the great stories of love really take their cues from biblical teaching and precisely from the story that we know in Scripture. The love story of Christmas was not between Mary and Joseph. It wasn't. The love story of Christmas was between two more unlikely characters, between God himself and all of mankind, who long ago had betrayed his love and kindness in a garden. And for a lot of years, mankind sort of went its separate way, his separate way. The plot of the love story of Christmas is described in many places in the Bible, but I'll highlight a couple of verses for you. 1 John 4, verses 9 and 10 describes that plot with these words. It says, God showed showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us 
and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Jesus himself paints the same picture, similar words, really where John the Apostle got his idea from to begin with. John 3.16, Jesus' words say this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You know, those words have profound implications for every one of us. And for the next few minutes, I want us to look carefully, reflect on some surprises that show up in this verse. And I recognize this is a verse that's familiar to many of us. Maybe us have read this verse, memorized this verse, reflected on this. We've seen it on placards at football games. We've seen it all over the place. Sometimes the familiarity of it causes us to just forget. But as we think about the great love story that is Christmas, it's important that you remember and just look carefully at the plot of what God was up to that very first Christmas. And so as we talk for the next few minutes, I think it'll help you understand God better, help you face life and the future with a, a greater sense of confidence and assurance. I think it'll help you appreciate Christmas even more deeply. The first surprise that we see when we look at this verse of John 3.16 and just analyze a little bit the love story that is Christmas, and the first surprise is we see that God loves. That's the very first thing that we see. Of all the emotions that Jesus could have chosen to describe God the Father, isn't it interesting that he chose love to characterize him? I mean, he didn't choose, he didn't describe God as being angry. He didn't describe God as being apathetic or aloof or any of those kind of things. He doesn't describe him as being disgusted with humanity who's betrayed him early on. He's not, he's not disappointed with us. It's a surprise to many people that God loves. He loves. And Christmas is a vivid seasonal reminder that God loves. And it's a reminder that we all need to reflect on periodically. Truthfully, the idea that God loves is not as radical and surprising as the next idea that Jesus highlights for us. The second surprise that shows up really in the text is the object of God's affection. For God so loved the world. He's loved the world. If you just think of that, the Greek word there is the cosmos. It's descriptive of not just the heavens and everything that's out there, but it's like everything. He just loves it all. He loves he loves our earth, our planet, the, the universe. He loves the created order of things. He loves the animal. He loves all of us. Here's what's amazing about that. I'm sure that you've noticed there's plenty that's unlovable in our world. And yet Jesus is unequivocally clear that God loves the world. You know, there's so much that's unlovable in our world that the Bible tells us that the world has become an enemy of God. That's the language that it uses. Go read 1 John where it talks about that in some other places. So how can God love the world and love people that sometimes don't love him in return? What you and I have to understand is God is doing for us exactly what he asks us to do. Jesus explains this in Luke 6, verse 32, and following with these words. He says, Jesus says, if you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? 
Even sinners love those who love them. And if you, you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. And then he explains, love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will be truly acting as children of the Most High, for He is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. Think about that. He is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked, Jesus says. You must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. Friends, God loves our world, and He loves all of us who are in it, even though not all of us love Him in return, because He's a loving God. He's a loving God. Now, the fact that God loves us doesn't mean that He's going to tolerate evil indefinitely. Scripture's really clear about that. But we need to understand that God's dominant emotion, His, His primary response when He looks toward you, when He looks toward me, and He thinks of us, and He thinks of the world in which we live, is not anger it's not agony. It's not a whole lot of things. What he, his dominant reaction is his love. That's it's his first reflex toward us. And he proved his love by a third surprising fact that Jesus tells us he gave. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. To appreciate the magnitude of God's love, to appreciate the scope of his affection and attraction to you and to me, you have to understand who it was that God sent to you and me that very first Christmas. He sent far more than just an ordinary, huggable, eight-pound, six-ounce baby Jesus. I saw this morning a little picture of... Uh, Tara sent a picture to a couple of us that had... Uh, you know, little dogs with, you know, like a little manger thing going on. And it had a little baby Gabe, our little dog, you know, like a puppy in the manger. And I'm thinking, that's really cute. But, you know, God could have sent that if he was sentimental. But that's not what he did. He didn't just send a, a pet. He sent something of far greater worth. And to appreciate the magnitude of his love, you got to understand who it was that was in the manger that very first Christmas. Scripture tells us about him with these words. It tells us about God's one and only Son, as 1 John refers to him as, and as John 3.16, Jesus refers to him as. Listen to these passages, John 1.1. 1, 1, it tells us that in the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. A few verses later, it explains that the Word became flesh, and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Isaiah 9, 6 tells us more. It says, For a, son, a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called, this baby, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Hebrews 1 continues to explain and just says, Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. Now in these final days, He has spoken to us through His Son. 
God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance. And though the Son, He created the universe, the Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God, and He sustains everything by the mighty power of His command. The Apostle Paul adds to that in Colossians 1, these words just says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through Him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on the earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Just think about that. There's you know, we, we understand that there are thrones and kingdoms and rulers in the, in, the, in the seen, the physical world. We get this. But behind them, the passage is just saying, are thrones and kingdoms and rulers in the unseen world that we in the physical realm sort of represent as we go about leadership in our world. And this, God made them both. Christ made them both. Everything, the passage says, was created through Him and for Him. He existed before anything else, and He holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is His body. He is the beginning, He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So He is first in everything. And get this verse. This is profound. It says, for God in all His fullness was pleased to live in Christ. Read that verse out loud with me, if you would. Just verse 19. For God in all His fullness was pleased to live in Christ. Now, let me just summarize here what we've just heard in these passages. And I could read many, many more, I assure you. But he just says, it's telling us Jesus was God in the flesh, full of unfailing love and faithfulness. He was the creator of the universe, all things visible and invisible. He's radiating the glory of the invisible character of God that is just overtaking all of the spiritual realm and the earth with time. He's the sustainer of all things. He's supreme over all of creation, whether way out there in space or right here in little ways on earth. And God in all of His fullness was pleased to dwell in that little baby, Jesus. That's who our Heavenly Father gave to us and the world that first Christmas. And hear me, He was willing to do that after we'd betrayed Him in a garden centuries before. With a gift like Jesus, God wants you to understand, wants me to understand, that you are loved by God. You are loved by God far more than you or I comprehend. You're valued, you're appreciated, you're wanted, you're cherished, you're treasured. You are chosen by Him. You're loved. Regardless of what's gone wrong or right in your life, there is a God in the heavens who is wooing and romancing you to love Him like He loves you. That is the glory of Christmas. It really is. And here's how Jesus tells us to respond to God's extravagant gift of love. He says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, hear this, 
so that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You know, the climax of every Hallmark movie is the kiss. It's the kiss. Everything is waiting for the kiss. You're watching and you think they're going to kiss, and then they don't kiss. You want them to kiss because you want the movie to be over, right? Because that's exactly what happens with the Hallmark movie, right? There's the kiss, and then whoop, credits. It's done, right? That's the end. Climax of God's love story with us is when you and I choose to believe, we put our faith, we put our trust in Him, in His goodness, and we come to Him with our spirits. And that's not the end. Jesus is saying that's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. It's just getting started. And there's a glorious future, an eternal relationship ahead of you between you and your loving God who treasures you more, more than you and I deserve. It's a story, a love story with no end. This Christmas, it's my hope that you'll uh, open your heart to a God who loves you more than you imagine and more than you deserve. Will you believe in Jesus? Will you trust Him? Will you put your faith in Him? Will you choose to love God who has gone to extraordinary lengths to demonstrate His love for you? He did that at Christmas. He did that at the cross. He's going to do that when He comes again for you one day. It's a love story that never ends. You open your heart to God. You were made quite literally for that. I'm going to ask you if you would stand with me. We're going to close in prayer this morning. Hope that this week as you celebrate Christmas that you'll think about all of this. And if you go home and Hallmark Movie Channel happens to be on as you turn the TV on to watch the football game, Danny. No, just this is just, yes, it's always on for some of us. It's, some of us, that's kind of the way it is, and that's okay. Um, but as you go home, maybe as you watch that love story beginning to unfold, think about the real love story that is behind Christmas. And remember that it's really about God and you and you. We're going to close in prayer. Before we do that, just maybe you need to invite Jesus into your heart and life. Today is a perfect opportunity to do that as we pray. Just open your heart to him. Maybe you need to be baptized. You need to demonstrate your faith. Biblical baptism, as Scripture teaches, that's sort of the wedding day, you might say, if you want to keep the metaphor going. And then maybe you need to be, uh, I, I just I'd say, we do have baptism after church today, so if you'd like to hang around, if you've never seen a baptism, I'd love for you to stay and see that. Maybe, maybe you ought to be a part of that. I got time. You can go get your swimsuit and stuff, and join us. You can do that if you'd like to do that. But uh, if not, um, make plans for that in the future if you've never been baptized as an expression of your faith. 
Uh, maybe you'd like prayer for something in your life, you come on down afterwards and we'll uh, be happy to pray for you. All right, let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful that you love us like you do, more than we understand, more than we deserve. We're grateful for that. Help us, Lord, to love you back. Help us to love others who are part of our lives. For how can we, how can we say we love you and not, and not endeavor to love the people around us? I mean, because you are love. That's what you've called us to do. Thank you for all the special things I know people are doing for others this Christmas season. I, just, I hear these things. And Lord, I just ask that you would honor and reward those who have been generous to others or kind and help us all to, to be expressing your generosity and your kindness, not just now, but always, just even if it's somebody who is unkind, even if it's somebody who doesn't deserve it because you show kindness to those who are unkind and wicked. Help us to follow in your footsteps in that. You know it can't be easy for you sometimes, and you know it's not easy for us, but help us, help us to help us to be children that look like you. And Father, we just humble ourselves and we just ask that you'd fill us. As you, Father, filled to the fullness, Jesus. Would you fill us fully, as fully as we can possibly contain, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. Lord, as we celebrate Christmas this week, may these things reverberate in our mind and our hearts. Would you help us to be witnesses of them as we talk with people, as we're with family or as we're with others. Help us to not be silent and mute about our faith. Help us to be bold and courageous without being obnoxious and annoying. Help us, to, help us to be like Jesus, who is quick to give you credit for the good that's going on in his life. Now go with us, Lord. We honor you and celebrate your coming. Lift this prayer in the name of Jesus. Everybody agreed and said, amen, amen. Merry Christmas, everybody.